Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. All right, it's a team name Tuesday, a regular Tuesday edition also of the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Welcome. What's up, everyone? It's Adam, Chris, and Scott here on FBT and getting your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. You know, I got to tell you. I called Chris Towers this morning. He seemed like he was in kind of a bad mood. He was a little mean to me. Not gonna lie. What's up? Ooh. Are you okay, Chris? This is this is Ooh. just who I am, Adam. I don't appreciate you like projecting your insecurities on me. What? Just because I'm trying to be punctual, and uh, you know, I don't I don't want to waste time on the phone. I gotta get places. I guess was so. he mean or was he curt? Was it was Kurt. He was Kurt, yeah. but was Kurt. Being Kurt was is Chris, kind of me. It was yeah. Kurt Casali. Kurt, Chris, Casali. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think Chris might be a little upset because I imagine he's a Giannis Antetokounmpo fan. And we got some video, embarrassing video of Giannis. So if you're not watching on our YouTube channel, make sure you go there and check this out. Let's roll it. All right, let's see what we got going on here. Giannis was at Yankee Stadium. This is him trying to hit off a tee. And he's terrible. Mm. And the Yankees are laughing Loopy at him. Swing. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah. I mean, look. All right. If we take Adam to a golf uh, driving. Oh, range, you're wrong. about. I'm going to go what? ahead and say there's at least a couple where he hits the tee and not the ball. You're wrong. Uh, you know what? I'm going to have to get like I'm going to have to IM the producers right now. If I send you guys, I'm going to All right, IM me. Don't don't get back in my ear cuz it'll go out over the air. If I send you guys a video of me golfing, can you put it in the show so we can show Chris just how good my golf stroke is? I'm going to take that as a yes and uh maybe we'll get some video of that. It'll be better than Giannis playing baseball. So, <laughs> hey, but how He's many? hitting a ball off the tee. Oh he my gosh, it's terrible! It and does a celebration because he finally made contact with the ball on the tee. Look, look, <laughs> the the nation of Greece does not have a particularly storied baseball tradition. I know they have a team, uh, oh, but nice, you know nice he doesn't have a lot of role models. Like there you know, is. maybe Eric Karos. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> who who are some Greek baseball players? Uh, in honor of team name Tuesday, Peas and Karos. That's the one I thought pulled back from the olden days. Very nice. Also, look how small that that bat looks. I'm I know this is a video and a lot of people are listening. The bat looks like a toothpick in his hands. He's so gigantic. Well, let's get <laughs> let's get into let's get into. Uh, oh, I found my golf video. All right, excellent. Let's get into uh, baseball here. How many? <laughs> How many guys hit multiple home runs last night? Chris, I think I already two, told Scott, three, so four, five, no, still count seven. I hate Chris today. <laughs> yes, I have a section Sounds like listing you're in the all bad of mood. them. I, now I am. Seven players hit multiple dongs last night. Six of them double donged, and one of them triple donged. Scott, since I'm mad at Chris, I'll let you go first. Of all the multi dong guys, any fantasy? takeaways from last night's home run happy evening well i'm encouraged that edwin Encarnacion hit two because i don't know if you've looked at the numbers you've probably experienced the numbers adam <laughs> yep. he has been terrible since joining the yankees and not just like 
you know, low BABIP, eventually the hits are going to come around. He's been striking out a ton. I don't know what's happened there. Probably nothing, but it was encouraging to see him hit two home runs. Also, Tyler O'Neill, he's been playing pretty regularly for the Cardinals here. We know he has a ton of power potential, even though this year in the minors hasn't gone as well as last year. Uh, So to see him do something positive with the starts he's getting, I think, is... Is uh is something to keep an eye on there with Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, Encarnacion has twelve hits with the Yankees and six of them are home runs. So that's fun. He's batting one fifty eight in nineteen games with the Yankees, six walks, twenty four strikeouts. See, he had been terrible. Um other double dongers or triple dongers, George Springer, who had, you know, look, since coming off the IL, he's played fifteen games. He's batting three oh two with nine walks at thirteen strikeouts, but he only had one home run before yesterday, so now three home runs in 15 games. Cody Bellinger, double dong. He now has uh, 33 home runs and a 340 batting average. He's pretty good. Chris, Oscar Mercado, Brandon Crawford, and then the triple donger, Travis Darno. And I, maybe you're good at looking this stuff up. Um, maybe you can look up the distance of Travis Darno's home runs because these were very much, especially the last one, very much Yankee Stadium, short right field porch home runs. Oh, okay. Well, they were. Now the home runs at Yankee Stadium don't count when what? the Yankees give them. Oh, here we go. We got video. Yeah, he. I'm just saying. He. He. The last one in particular. Well, that one I game saw. Winner. Didn't look so bad. No, the first one. That, that's the one I missed. Actually, that was the first at bat of the game. Yeah, he had a hundred. A oh, here we go. Fifty-five foot home run. That's pretty. Uh, pretty low. This. This. None one, of them went more than three hundred eighty-six feet. So he didn't exactly. Uh, you know, crush any of them. His numbers looked very bad before yesterday. Now they look very good. But uh, I suppose when you have a three-homer game crap home run. and as few at-bats as he has, that's what happens. Crap home run. Yeah, he doesn't play all you know often enough. He splits time with Mike Zanino. But, Chris, how about Brandon Crawford or Oscar Mercado? You want to talk about them? Mercado was one for 25. Yeah, I think Mercado's the only one really worth talking about here. Brandon Crawford, it was Coors. He's been... Pretty miserable this season. Um, and to the point about Darno, he had a 719 OPS since getting traded to the Rays uh, before the last five games. He's actually been on fire in his last five appearances, which is seven games for the Rays. So it's actually, he's been playing pretty regularly in that stretch, but he has 11 hits in his last five games. So a lot of that has come late. Um, Oscar Mercado, I think, is pretty good. I really like what we've seen so far. Even the one for twenty-five stretch, um, you know, he's still hitting two eighty-three overall. Has speed, has a little bit more pop. He's one of those guys that, you know, since getting to play with this new Major League Baseball, baseball, uh, in AAA and now in the majors, he's started to discover some pop. And it's a situation where maybe if they switch the ball. Uh, next offseason and change the pill inside of it so that it has more drag and doesn't carry as well, he may lose whatever value he has. But for right now, I think he's a pretty good hitter. You know who's a pill? Chris is a pill today, I think. Allison Pill. <laughs> so, uh, all right, those are your double and triple doggers from uh, from Monday's games. 11 games yesterday, and we will uh, talk about Clayton Kershaw and his excellent season. All right, fine. So, Chris, before Chris can scan the notes to cheat on this question, since Kershaw debuted on April 15th, where do you think he ranks among starting pitchers in points and roto? 
What do you think, guys? Kershaw. I'm. Oh, I'm allowed to answer. Yes. Say... Uh, he's averaging like six and two thirds innings per start, right? He's fourth in innings since his first start of the season. Yeah, he has more innings on the season than Walker Bueller does now, which is. I'm wow. gonna say fourth. I'm gonna say fourth. Yeah, I'm gonna say he's been top seven. Seventh in points, fourteenth in roto. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Too aggressive. I don't know why he's fourteenth in roto. Like he's eight and two with a three ERA. Not le- okay, less than a strikeout per inning, but mm-hmm. not like a terrible 19, 98 strikeouts and one hundred and five innings and a one oh five whip. There, there are just there are a handful of guys who have you know like a two thirty, two fifty ERA. So Kershaw is seventh yeah. in points, fourteenth in roto since he made his debut. And my favorite stat is he has not allowed more than four earned runs in any start. And maybe my favorite stat is actually the fourth most innings among starters since April 15th well, that, without throwing more than 101 pitches in any start. Amazing. I think last season, once he came back from the IL, I think in the second half of the season, he was sixth in baseball in innings pitched. He's still extremely good. And efficient. Kershaw. Very efficient. No, he doesn't walk anyone. And a lot of ground balls. All right, great. Kershaw, so I, I, it appears I, I have been way wrong on Clayton Kershaw. And I apologize for that. You're not alone in that. There were a lot of people who were kind of out on Clayton Kershaw coming into this season. Well, it's not that I, it's not that I didn't like him. It's, it's just that I, you know, I, like I keep saying, there's going to be another IL stint. Maybe I'll be right about that. I hope I'm yeah. not. I thought the home runs would, no, I mean, would there really was good, get him. There, there was good reason to be scared of him. His, sk- his skills are diminished, uh, but it's just he had so many to begin with that they're diminished <laughs> to something that's still really good. Right. What, what actually saved me on Kershaw was the fact he got hurt this spring because suddenly he went from a guy people were targeting in round four to like round seven. And I was willing to pay for a potential A's in round seven, even if it meant a couple weeks without him. Sure. Give me that all day. Yeah, and this has been pretty close to a best-case scenario, but I think this is, we'll see it with, you know, in four or five years, we'll probably start seeing this with Mike Trout when he starts to get just a little bit worse, and people will probably overreact. Uh, That's kind of what happens when you're an all-time great, and then you move to just being pretty good, and you have these moments where you are vulnerable, and Clayton Kershaw has had stretches where he hasn't looked nearly as good he's not nearly as good as he used to be he has the best era plus in major league history he's not that guy anymore but he's still he was very good last season he had a 273 era and you know it's it's a reminder that just because a great player has slipped you don't want to overstate the amount that they've fallen off Mm -hmm. all right well today's sponsor is harry's razors I told Chris he needs to get a Harry's razor. He said, I already have a Harry's razor. So if you want one, go to harrys.com slash FBT. Harry's.com slash FBT. Get a special promotion there. Let's talk a lot about the Colorado Rockies and the two games they played yesterday. Um, Our email of the day at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com, it comes from Morgan. And Morgan says, I can't believe it, but I'm worried about Nolan Arenado. He says he's got a bad toe that he's playing through, and I think it's affecting him. He's the number 200 player in fantasy on Yahoo over the last month. Thanks for using Yahoo, dude. And had a 250 OBP over the last two weeks. What is your worryometer on Nolan Arenado, who, by the way, since hurting his toe, has played 19 games, and he's batting 231 with three home runs in those 19 games. Uh, guys, worryometer on Nolan Arenado. It's Tuesday, but we'll turryometer it up. 
I guess like maybe you throw the toe and thing in there, which I didn't know about. And that might bump it up to like a two for me. Like we, people were worried about Arenado in April as well, and he quickly remedied things. 19 games isn't much of a sample, really. Yeah, and, I mean, you can go a little further back. Like the last four, 35 games or 34 games, I think he has a 740 OPS, which is pretty that, bad. That was pre-toe, right? Pre-toe. Like, right, right, yeah. It, sta- it started a little bit before that. Yeah, he, so but, the toe injury – go ahead, Chris, sorry. What I would say is he has had – so he has a 690 OPS over the last 19 games. He has had, looks like, two different stretches in the last two years with a worse mark and a couple in 2016, one in two in 2015 for 19-game stretches. So it's not it's not out of – the realm of possibility. Now, if it is because of the tone, it's not just random. That would be a reason to be concerned. But, you know, I, I also, to what end should you be worried about Nolan Arenado? You're not uh-huh. trading him right now. So I think um, Mike Trout, I don't remember, three years ago, whatever, he had a, like a hand, he had an injury. He had a terrible August. Mm-hmm. You didn't know when he was yeah. going to get better. And maybe it was a terrible July. I don't remember. It was one year, one month. In one year, he just was August. It was August. It was August. Yeah. And he was great. He was soon as calendar August. turned to September. He was great. So you never yeah. know when these things would change. What's interesting for Arenado, not necessarily worth analyzing with fantasy, but just interesting. Uh, last year, he had a 981 OPS. He was having his best season. And then he got hurt. That was 115 games, 981 OPS. He got hurt. It had a 41-game stretch after that with an 809 OPS, which is good, but not great. Uh, and then this year... Pretty bad for a guy playing half for him, games yeah, before. Yeah. For, but this year, 980 OPS before the toe injury. So almost the same exact thing. So actually, like I, th- I see it basically if you think the injuries really affected him the last two years. He, he more or less was having his best season two years in a row of like a 980 OPS. And then injuries derailed him a little bit last year. And uh, so far this year, but let's just hope he can turn it around. Your stat of the day, Rockies pitchers have allowed 148 runs over their last 15 home games. That's 9.9 runs per game they've allowed. They've scored 7.6 runs per game in that same span. I, the fact that Coors Field is this crazy, does that mean that we should try to get as many Rockies as we can? I overpay for Rockies just for their home games. I mean, the good news is only about half of those runs came from Herman Marquez. <laughs> that was that was all. I just wanted. Oh, to okay. Make a joke. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, like I, have, uh, I have Ryan McMahon. I mean, Rockies on the team are expensive, and, Adam. I mean, I don't know. well, Ryan not McMahon Desmond, might not be. Just, I, I keep recommending Ian Desmond in the top sleeper hitters don't do uh, it. because they keep having home games. That's where I think the the value comes in with the Rockies. I mean, Charlie Blackman was a value this year. Um, and he's been unbelievably good at home and unbelievably terrible on the road. He's having an absolutely wild season. He's got like a 600 OPS on the road and like a 1400 OPS at home. Um, but yeah, I think you can find value with some of those lower end guys, especially if, you know, the ball, it's going to be really interesting to try to figure out what the baseball is going to be like, uh, next year. But like, Buying low on Daniel Murphy would have been a really good idea. He's hitting 294 now. He's been absolutely 
on fire for about, I think like a month and a half, almost two months now. Um, Guess how many home runs he has at Coors Field. He's only got like two. I think seven of them have been on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Good job. <laughs> yeah, like even Coors Field. No, I, I was that in the notes? No. Oh, okay. I'm saying good job. That was good. Just, I'm impressed. I knew that one off the top of my dome. I just wanted you to acknowledge it. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. But Coors Field has not been enough to save like Ryan McMahon. No. Or no, he's been, Ryan Altapia. He's been Ryan McMahon is exactly who I was talking about. He homered yesterday. Like in a low end sort of sense. You know, you don't have to roster him in a ten team league or like a twelve team points league, but I do think Ryan McMahon's worth keeping for his Coors Field games. If you're in a daily lineup league or if you're looking for like a sleeper hitter on a week when they play a lot of games at home, yeah. Yeah, that that's that's it. I have McMahon in a daily lineup league, exactly. Um, and then I'm going to re-ask a question from yesterday that both, I think, uh, Heath and Scott were both wrong on, obviously. <laughs> Domingo Herman or Herman Marquez? Marquez, I was saying Domingo Herman. Scott and Heath said Herman Marquez, and after this dud, 11 runs and two and two-thirds, uh, who would you take now rest of season? I don't I don't want to overreact to Marquez. I mean, obviously, it's a terrible start. And he's on. he's been on a rough stretch here. At a third of the way through the season, he had a nice 348 ERA, and uh, seven of eight starts since then have been not good. Three of them have been terrible. I think he's only had two good starts at home this year. So that's part of it. But, I mean, it goes beyond that. Seven of eight bad starts. It's a lot of road starts, too. Um, but I do think, just like we were doing for Blake Snell, in maybe a less dramatic way, we point to the fact that Herman Marquez has a 361 XFIP on the year which takes into account his home environment uh, versus a 5.12 ERA. And he's been a better pitcher than the results have shown. He has a lower XFIP than Herman Marquez does. But beyond that... Than Domingo Herman, you're saying? Wait, you said that he... Domingo Herman. The other Herman, yes. (laughs) But he hasn't been a better pitcher Uh, than Herman. It's pretty close to a toss-up for me right now, honestly. I I wouldn't object to anybody taking Herman instead. I think Marquez... I think Herman, you're going to be more comfortable starting him every time out, but he may not have as many times out to be started, and I don't think his upside from start to start is quite as high. But if you want to take him instead of Marquez, I get it. I just don't, you know, spite drop is a term people seem to use with pride when it's like the most reckless thing you could possibly do when you're playing fantasy baseball, and you, you absolutely shouldn't go there with Marquez. I do want to point out, though, that you should expect Marquez and any Rockies pitcher to underperform their peripherals. That is, uh, the Rockies over the last decade collectively have underperformed their XFIP by about six-tenths of a run. So, obviously, the 512 to 361 gap might be overstating, though, although it might not be given the current run environment. He just, Marquez hasn't been nearly as good as he was last year. Like just on yeah, a he hasn't, pure he hasn't been as level. good of a bat misser. He's been he's been kind of Jose Barrios like in terms of strikeout and walk rate. But you cannot start him yeah. at home starts. Like no. you, you right now you have Armand Marquez. You are not starting him at in home starts. 
it, it just you can't. I'm, a, I'm uh, yeah, Armand Marquez. I keep getting him and Domingo. Armand. I mean, in a two start week where it's split home and away, I'd still start him. I would, yeah. I but mean, to in, be fair, in, I would have done one that. Start week at home. No, I would have done that this week. I would have done because his second start is at the Yankees. Are you going to be confident starting Armand at the Yankees or Armand Marquez at the Yankees? Ooh, maybe they're facing each other this week. Hmm. I'd like to say I would be, but probably not. Human nature. I'd probably sit him, and there's a very good chance I'd come to regret it. We'll just have to see. All right. We're going to take a break here on Fantasy Baseball today. When we come back, watch me golf. That's up after this break on FBT. (laughs) True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. So Chris Towers doesn't think that old Adam Azer can golf. And Scott White hates when Adam Azer talks about himself. And now I'm using the third person. So we are derailing the show. All right, let's see the video. Here we go. Video crew, let's admire my golf swing. Oh, look at that. Look at that form. He's settling in. Mm. He's teeing it up. Whammy! I did forget you're from... Coral Springs. You've probably golfed a lot. No, not that much. I, I that was the first golf swing. Ah, Ooh, slow motion. The best, the best part is when you turn around and shrug afterward. Oh, uh, I was like, looking. So that was like top Michael golf. Jordan in Game Three. Uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> that was at Top Golf, and Top Golf, you have to turn around and look at the monitor to see how far you drove it. I think that one was like somewhere like six hundred yards. Something like that. I don't remember off the top <laughs> yeah, of my head. I think so. Um, all right, let's do some news and notes. Mike Trout has a small calf strain. He's not on the IL right now. He says he's day-to-day. I feel like they're lying to us, but we'll see. Wilson Contreras is on the IL with a foot injury. The Cubs acquired Martin Maldonado from Kansas City. They don't expect Contreras to miss that much time, but they acquired Martin Maldonado, so maybe they're lying to us. We'll see. Um, a lot of liars yeah. out there. <laughs> Zach Wheeler is on the IL with shoulder fatigue. I am going to stop calling him a by-low right now. He's been a by-low the entire season, but Zach Wheeler's on the IL. Maybe he is a by-low. Maybe he misses like two starts. Maybe a by-lower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's supposed to be MRI results today, so it's hard to analyze this too much as of now, but I think uh, I think there's some optimism it won't be a long time. If he is healthy, I would still consider him a buy low. Right. Uh, Max Fried left with a blister. He was pitching very well. He even got the win. He had a really good start, and I totally benched him in a two-start week at Milwaukee and at somebody, but I did not think it was going to go well. So good job, Max Fried. Nate Lowe, how about this, guys? Uh, Nate Lowe for the Rays is going to work out at, th- at third base, and Astros outfield prospect Kyle Tucker 
has been playing some first base. Scott, when, yeah. are, when are we going to see Kyle Tucker? Any day, any day. I could have said that for two months now. Uh, but this this obviously helps because they've been playing a lot of Tyler White at first base. Yuli Gurriel's been playing a lot of third with Carlos Correa out. Of course, Alex Bregman playing shortstop. But is going to be back soon, and that probably changes the whole dynamic again since Jordan Alvarez seems to be a fixture at DH. Uh, he's played a lot of first base in the minors, Alvarez has, so that would seem like the easier play than moving Tucker there. But, you know, more options means more more uh, ways to force himself into the mix. And uh, I would I would consider Tucker the top minor leaguer to stash right now. He is 45% owned. Nate Evaldi is going to begin a rehab assignment tomorrow or Thursday. The Red Sox DFA'd Eduardo Nunez. We already got bad news this week on Luis Severino, who might come back as a reliever, and you know you're not you might not get much of anything from him. And Tyler Glass now, he's being shut down for two weeks. So Glass now yeah, may not done. be able. To, yeah, you can drop Glass now, right? Yeah, unless it's a keeper right. league. Yeah. yeah. Or I mean, obviously, if you have a free. IL spot. I'd rather take the chance on getting a couple starts from him at the end than just I think stashing I, some scrub. I think I'd rather. I think I'd rather stash Nate Evaldi right now. Yes. Yes. I actually have uh, IL stash rankings coming out today. They're out. And they are out. Yes. Evaldi out. is ahead of Glass now. You're out. But yeah, you can you can look at that. Gregory Polanco left a rehab game with shoulder tightness, and all of this should just be a reminder that injured guys sometimes get re-injured especially pitchers, so keep that in mind on draft day next year. Ken Giles could be available today. Chris Taylor's on the IL with a broken forearm. I'll tell you who that might benefit in just a bit. Uh, Evan Longoria's on the IL with a foot injury. Mitch Moreland could be back this weekend. Josh James started, just like Chris Towers wanted. Josh James started, but he only threw one inning, and then Framber Valdez was bad. Um, Matt Carpenter left after fouling a ball off his foot. Jose Martinez, who looked like he was a regular, he has sat two straight games. And Theo Epstein expects Ben Zobris to return at some point this season. Some trade rumors. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to go over all this. Uh, we could drive ourselves crazy with this. But Robbie Ray is drawing some trade interest. I don't think home road splits really indicate there'd be a big difference. I mean, this year has been better at home. Last year was better on the road. Robbie Ray. The Yankees want him, Adam. How would that make you feel? I know you're not a Robbie Ray fan. I think he would make a lot of sense on the Yankees because that's one of the teams where you can say, just go out and give me five innings, turn it over to the bullpen. Uh, but no, I'm not a Robbie Ray fan for fantasy. Uh, Milwaukee is interested in Will Smith, according to The Athletic. And that would be interesting. If the Brewers acquired Will Smith, who is the Brewers' closer? I think it's Will Smith. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think so. I think, I think it'd be like Jefferson's enjoyed- second half last season. They enjoyed having Hader so much in that versatile multi-inning role yeah. that they've kind of had to take him out of, not completely, but they, you know, they've had they they've preserved him for the ninth more. It it, it would stink for Hader's value. I mean, it, there there are other scenarios where Will Smith could go somewhere and it could crush Will Smith's value, but uh, you know that that's not the situation you hope for, Milwaukee or. I mean, frankly, with the way Carlos Martinez has come on, St. Louis, you don't really hope for that. Uh, Haven't heard much about the Braves being interested, but they're a contender that could certainly use a closer. Mm. So he's going to go somewhere, and it could drastically change his value depending on where he goes, and it could change other pitchers' value too. Michael Givens is drawing some trade interest as well. 
Uh, I can't imagine he's going to be a closer for a contender. All right, let's do some hay real quick. Also coming up on today's show, um, are we done here with guys like Zach Eflin and Griffin Canning and Lorenzo Kane? And Jeff Samarja is on a nice little run here. We'll talk about him. Alex Dickerson is on a nice little run. We'll talk about him. The Giants, as Chris mentioned, are red hot. Uh, one of the hottest teams of baseball. All right, hey, real quick. Dodgers outfield, Alex Verdugo or A.J. Pollock? Pollock. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Verdugo, but not with a lot of confidence, not a lot, with a lot of conviction. I am thankful that he continues to get playing time even with Pollock back because I know there was some concern about that. Yeah, and and that's what I was alluding to earlier. I think the Chris Taylor injury only helps Verdugo because the one game that he sat since Pollock returned, Verdugo started three or four games, uh, Chris Taylor was in left field. So it's just one body less to compete with. Uh, Pollock sat yesterday. Not a huge surprise. Give him a little bit of a breather. Uh, hey, real quick, Joe Musgrove or Miles Michaelis? They I'm going to say... Michael is there. Is he winking I, at yeah. us? I... <laughs> <laughs> hey Scott, what's up, man? Yeah, pick <laughs> it looks me. Like he's winking, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. Uh, I I'll go with Michael, but I'm it's tired kind of, of by analyzing default. Joe Musgrove because I feel like I can't get a good read on him ever. Uh. But Michaelis has one for sure skill that Musgrove doesn't have, and that's putting the ball on the ground. So uh, Musgrove, I guess, is a better strikeout pitcher, but not a great strikeout pitcher. I'll, I'll take I'll take Michaelis. Are they both must-own guys? They're both owned in 80, 88 or 80. They're owned in about the same amount of leagues, and they were started in about the same amount of leagues, Michaelis and Musgrove. Slightly less than must-own, but I don't think in any of my leagues I'd let them go unowned. I, you know, I could, I could envision... A like ten team league with twenty one man rosters, probably not owning either of them. Oh my gosh! So Miles Michaelis's nickname is the Lizard King, and Andrew, one of our producers, has just sent me a video of Miles Michaelis eating a lizard. Eating a lizard. Can we put this mm. on the air or what? Because this huh. is insane. <laughs> oh I, so my it's gosh. not like a Jim Morrison reference. No, that was oh, I thought Jim it was Morrison. I don't want to put this. Nickname was the. This Lizard is cruel, King. actually. I don't. I don't want to put this on the show. Just yeah, YouTube. Not, Miles yeah. Michaelis eats a live lizard. If you're so inclined, but no, why would you do that, dude? The lizards have feelings. That's actually not cool. All right, Freddie Freeman or Mookie <laughs> Betts? Hey, real quick, Freddie Freeman or Mookie oh, Betts? That's really gross. Yeah, it's bizarre. <laughs> not the question. <laughs> um. Freddie Freeman uh, or Mookie, Mookie Betts. Betts? Yeah. Why? Uh, I mean, they're both in my projected first round for next year. So it's nitpicking. I mean, Mookie Betts is having – he's having a decidedly bad season for himself, and he's the number seven hitter in – is that points or Roto? Points. Got to be points. Yeah, Roto, I would guess he's outside the top 20. He is 22nd. And that's with pretty bad luck. Like, he's probably better than 277 hitter. He probably should have more than 13 home runs in this home run environment. So, yeah, I would uh, I would still go with Mookie Betts. But, look, Freddie Freeman's awesome. Okay. This year, I'd take Freeman. Next year, I'd probably draft Betts ahead of him. 
Yasio Puig or Noah Syndergaard? Yeah, I, you heard me. Hey, real quick, Puig or Syndergaard? Puig's going to be a better hitter. <laughs> I think Noah Syndergaard will have a better pitching stat. So it really depends on what your yeah. team needs. I really want to point out how amazing Yasiel Puig has been lately. His last 24 games, he has a 1247 mm-hmm. OPS. He also has 22 home runs and 13 steals this year, which is pretty damn good. And he's a top 10 outfielder in Roto, but he's only 24th in points, unlike Mookie Betts. His plate discipline has been dreadful, better lately. But, like, Syndergaard's been disappointing. Syndergaard is not an elite strikeout pitcher anymore. Um, yeah. So Puig or Syndergaard, hey, real quick. I think yeah, both Kershaw. will be better. I think both will be better moving forward than they have been so far. Um, I think I would take Puig, but Ooh. pitching is so hard to come by that that yeah. might be the differentiator. It's just positional scarcity. I'm 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 not trying to trade for a hitter in any of my leagues. I'm pretty much trying to trade for a pitcher in all of my leagues, and uh, I think that sums it up right there. Okay. And that is Hey Real Quick. We got a lot of emails. I want to read a few of them here. Uh, and then we will talk about Eflin, Porcello, Griffin Canning, Paul DeYoung, Lorenzo Cain, etc. Here's a quick round of emails. This one's from Connor. Is Nick Senzel worth rostering in a 10-team head-to-head points redraft league? Uh, what do you think? Nick Senzel, 10-team head-to-head points league. No, probably not that format. Like he's He can be rostered, but he's not a must-own. Okay. Uh, from Francisco Eduardo Juarez Niebla. When you try to compare stats like line drive percentage, home run to fly ball percentage, etc., do you just compare it to the league average, or how do you know when something is good or bad? Uh, yeah, I compare it to league average and then that player's established track record. Right, right. I, In terms of is this player overperforming or underperforming in this way, it's more about comparing the player against himself. Uh, but just to know if he's good, if he's considered a good version of this, across, yeah, obviously you compare it across the league. Yeah. Now, when it comes to like home run to fly ball ratio, that's one that I don't think you really compare to either. You can compare it to the player's previously established skill set, but it fluctuates yeah. a lot year over year. I don't think it makes much sense to compare it to the league. I think what you do is you compare it to home, uh, hard hit percentage. Because there is a pretty close correlation between those two things. So if someone has a well above average home run to fly ball ratio and a well below average hard hit percentage, that's one where you would think his home run to fly ball ratio is probably going to come down unless there is some other extenuating circumstance like he's uh, completely blanking on the superstar shortstop third baseman from the Houston Astros. Alex Bregman? Alex Alex Bregman, who hits a lot of 368 foot home runs <laughs> to left field at home. It's I'm, that's not I'm not knocking him. Like he plays in no, that park and he funny, gets a lot of cheap home runs. It's that funny way. that you forgot his name. Like that's oh really yeah, just totally to blank yeah, on. That's awesome. Um, uh, didn't have my diet coke I, I will, this morning. I will mention in the context of comparing it to what players done previously. A lot of players on both the pitching and hitting end have a career-high home run to fly ball rate mm-hmm. this year. It's yeah. gone up like two percentage points league-wide this season, I think. I remember doing the notes for you know all these players preseason, and I kept writing the same thing in all of my notes. Career-high hard contact rate last year. And I have a feeling... That's another one. I have a feeling when I do the notes next preseason, I'm going to be writing the same exact thing. Okay, yeah, next no, email. I think... Next email, sorry. Let's get... Uh, sorry, Chris. Uh, from Tom... <laughs> You shouldn't have hung up on me this no, morning. No, it's fine. 
It's fine. Subject line, Chris Davis with a K. KRS Davis. Seriously, what on earth do I do with this guy? I'm the moron who kept Chris Davis over Glaber Torres. I can't seem to pawn him off in trades. Is Chris Davis droppable, or do I have to ride it with ride it out with him? Head-to-head points league that uses OBP, not batting average. Uh, this is from Tom again, and he wants to know what to do with Chris Davis, who in his last 39 games is batting 228 with four home runs. Yikes. What do you do with Chris Davis? I'm struggling to think of how a points league uses either batting average or OPP, but uh, I will yeah. take his word for it. Uh, it's He's really hard to trade in a head-to-head format because he's confined to utility. If anybody ended up with a second first baseman or a second third baseman or a second whatever, that's really good. A second shortstop is plausible. There's just no need for Chris Davis. Uh, so I can relate to that. I think... I, I think he's just overdue for a hot streak. And yeah, you just got to hold him. Yeah. He's going to hit There's five home runs in a week at some point, and everything's going to look normal. Now, I think that Chris Davis, and I was watching Fantasy Baseball Today, our video show on HQ on Sunday, and I want to say it was Chris Welsh, who, who you've heard on the podcast, he was on the video show as well, said that he's playing with a finger injury. I know he had the hip injury, uh, which ended up being an oblique, if I recall, when he went on the I.L., but oh, he was hit. He was hit in the hand, uh, Chris Davis, and he's been struggling since. But he was struggling before that too. But just generally speaking, the like seriously, the most consistent player in fantasy, the most predictable player in fantasy. You've got to believe he's going to get back to being who he was. I think we're all on the same page there. But just keep mm-hmm. mind, keep in mind that he did get hit by a pitch on the hand. From Alexander, I added AJ Pollock and I dropped Trey Mancini. Was that a good move? I'm fine with it. Uh, I mean, Chris is the high guy on Pollock. I ranked Trey Mancini higher, but it's not a huge difference if you if you just like Pollock. I, I probably wouldn't do it. From Brian, I have Chris Paddock, and I know he might not be there for my fantasy playoffs. I was thinking of trading Paddock for Bumgarner. Would you give up Paddock and either maybe Sabathia, Shinsu Chu, or AJ Pollock to acquire Madison Bumgarner? I absolutely wouldn't give up Paddock plus something for Bumgarner, I don't think. I would if it were Sabathia. Mm-hmm. I yeah. would if it were Pollock. Sabathia. Uh, I know Chris won it, so... Well, I just... Uh, I, it just depends. Like, is he your fifth outfielder in a three-outfielder right. league? That's, a, that's sure. right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You may have just picked up A.J. Pollock. Um, uh, is this a points league or roto, did he say? Because no, that... I don't know. Like... I, well, it's not. It's not. not it's not season long roto because he said playoffs. Yeah, because I'd rather have Paddock in a straight roto format than Bumgarner by a large margin. I mean, if we're counting on Bumgarner getting traded, his biggest issue this year is he just can't get any wins, and that would obviously change that equation. Yeah, but so, he's got three nine ERA playing in the best pitchers park in baseball. Yeah, but. He's been better lately. Like a, an earned 390 ERA, and it's been better, and his velocity's back to where it was before shoulder surgery. So, like, I, I, I think there are, beyond just the win-loss record, I'm kind of thinking there are better days ahead for Bumgarner. All right, guys. More from yesterday. Players that you might want to drop. Some team name Tuesday. Some bullpen notes. Emilio Pagan pitching in the seventh inning and giving up a game-tying home run. Uh, That's all coming up right after this quick break on Fantasy Baseball Today. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Are we done here? Are we ready to drop these guys? Let's start with Zach Eflin. Um, well, let's start with the three pitchers. Zach Eflin, who gave up seven runs against the Dodgers in his last four starts. He has allowed 22 earned runs in 20 innings on 35 hits. Rick Porcello, uh, not a bad start yesterday, but only two strikeouts in six innings. 537 ERA, sl- more than slightly inflated by that terrible start in London where he gave up six runs in less than an inning. And Griffin Canning. Griffin Pitt Canning back-to-back duds on my bench yesterday, thank goodness. Uh, but three runs in an inning and a third against Houston. And he walked six, which is very unusual for him. He, he was, you know, according to the article, probably rusty. Hadn't pitched since July 4th. But Zach Eflin, Rick Porcello, and Griffin Canning. Guys, are we done here? I'm not done with Canning, though I am disappointed in him. I expected better. Zach Eflin, I feel like this was something you could see coming from yeah, a mile right away. Yeah, Get him off the screen. <laughs> ERA from the last four starts has gone from 283 to 416. The XFIP's even higher, and I think Trevor Williams is a good example of this. You know, assuming normal situations and not like a Colorado situation or something else really weird going on, a player, when there's that much of a gap between ER and A and XFIP, he always regresses. It may not happen in the same year, but eventually it happens. It's happened for Williams. It's happened for Ulysses Chassin. It happens, and it's happening to Eflin now. So I'm done with him. Porcello? Yeah, I mean he's been he's been bad this year in a number of ways. Um, I think as like a points league streamer, just because he pitches for the Red Sox, he can, you know, go six innings with a fair amount of consistency. He's still useful, but he's not. He's going to hurt your ratios. He's you know strikeout rates down, walk rates up, ground ball rate, uh, just just everything is worse. Uh, Scott, you sounded like you were Griffin Canning's father. You were like, I'm disappointed in him. I I'm not mad. I expect <laughs> I'm not done with him yet, but I expected more. Uh, I have, but I have so much affinity. I know you always have. Yeah, you love him. You love him. And you're I've, just disappointed. I've, I'm disappointed. You just I, expect I, you're, better. You're capable of so much more, Griffin. I've well, seen it. His last his last two starts have been against Texas and Houston. Uh, his next two starts are going to be at Seattle and home against Baltimore. So I, like you, Scott, am not giving up on Griffin Canning just yet. How about these two hitters that are 90, 92 and 91% owned, respectively? Paul DeYoung. It is now 43 games with a 551 OPS, a 183 batting average for Paul DeYoung. And Lorenzo Cain, all season long, he's been bad. He's batting 250 with five home runs and 11 steals this year. He does have three multi-hit games in his last seven, but only two extra base hits, both doubles in that stretch. So Paul DeYoung and Lorenzo Cain. Chris, are we done here? Uh, 
Kane has battled multiple injuries this season, I believe. So that's my concern. I just I can't say that he's going to be healthy moving forward either. So yeah, I think he's droppable, especially in a points league. Young, I think probably also. Um, he got off to such a good start, but it was such a big outlier. And yes, the peripherals largely did back it up. He improved his strikeout rate, but it's another reminder that apparent skill level can fluctuate just as much as production can. Um, so yeah, I, I think we're we're okay dropping Paul DeYoung. Wow. Okay. Time to talk about some other dudes in a segment called Other Dudes to Talk About. Uh, I'm going to say a name, and you guys just tell me generally how you're feeling about them. I'm excited to talk about one of them, by the way. Uh, Jeff Samarja, not the one I'm so excited about. But last three starts, 166 ERA. Uh, the two months before that were just brutal. Jeff Samarja, Scott, a quick thought. I had nine strikeouts in this one, but eight over 15 innings in the previous two. So I'm, I'm not thinking anything's really changed here. I mean, is there anything more surprising than Jeff Samarja dominating at Coors Field? That was crazy. Uh, Chris, Jake Junis, his last two starts, 14 innings, 16 strikeouts, three earned runs at Washington at home against the White Sox. Um, two starts, next two starts are both going to be against Cleveland, who he's been terrible against. Jake Junis. I don't see much reason to be optimistic there. If you're in a deeper league, I think he would be worth streaming against Cleveland, even though he hasn't been good against them. I just, I don't think that kind of position stuff or matchup stuff matters all that much. I don't see a reason to believe that the Indians would have his number. So if you wanted to stream him there, fine, but I don't, I don't see a lot to, to get excited about. You know whose number I have? Chris's number. And I called and he was mean this morning. Scott, Alex Dickerson sits against Man. lefties. He's a 7% owned outfielder for the Giants. In the last 21 days, he's the number 32 outfielder in points, number 23 in Roto. And he's got really good numbers this year, Alex Dickerson. 311 batting average, 378 OBP, 608 slugging in limited action. 7% owned. What do you think? I think a platoon outfielder for the Giants probably doesn't need to be much more owned than 7%. Maybe he could be like 17% because uh, he is a good line drive hitter and there is some pop there. But I just don't think he's in a position to make a big fantasy impact. Derek Rodriguez had a good start at Colorado yesterday, but we're going to have to see a lot more. We don't even know if he's going to stick in the rotation for the Giants. And then our last guy, uh, fellas, the one I am excited to talk about is Jamer Candelario. Went down to the minors, came back up 15 games ago, and since then he's batting 321 with five home runs. You know, I, pick, I picked him up in a roto league, and he had like a couple bad games, and then I dropped him, and now he's two good games <laughs> in a row. So that's, that's the way it goes for me this year. It's so much of that. It's unbelievable. But Jamer Candelario, 10% owned. Scott, are you a little more enthusiastic about Candelario than you were about Alex Dickerson? Yeah, I mean, there's there's more opportunity to play for Candelario. Um, keeping the strikeouts down, which he has done since returning, it looks like, is going to be a key for him. But I don't think I don't think we're talking about standard mixed league fair here. This is, you know. If if you have a hole and you're at third base one week and you're desperate to fill it, Candelaria is now an option to do that. He's probably more in like the Michael Franco range of third baseman than like uh, mm, 
can't even think of a good example. Brian but, Anderson. Um, I, I kind of feel like that's the same range as Mike Alfranco. No? Uh, Brian Anderson's better. I was trying to damn Jamer Candelario with faint praise. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, we're moving on. Not Yuli Gurriel. How's that? Not Yuli Gurriel. Uh, Six-man rotation. We can eliminate one of them. It was Clayton Kershaw. We already talked about him. So let's go to the f- now five-man rotation. Uh, Blake Snell, James Paxton, and Luis Castillo. Let's start with those three, and then we'll talk about Kyle Hendricks and Lucas. No, no, let's talk about all five of them. Changing my mind. Blake Snell, five innings, four strikeouts, one run at the Yankees. Still has not thrown more than 105 pitches in a start. Only four starts this season with more than 96 pitches thrown for Blake Snell. James Paxton, he's been pretty good in his last six starts, except for one terrible start. The other, the other five have been pretty solid. Uh, Luis Castillo, I do not share Chris's pessimism on Luis Castillo, or Heath for that matter. Kyle Hendricks, he was Kyle Hendricks yesterday, very good. And Lucas Giolito, a little disappointed, six innings, three runs, five strikeouts at Kansas City. Uh, but let's talk Snell first and then the, the other four, but guys, where are we on Blake Snell right now? I mostly in a good place. The innings are the frustration right now. He was going six with regularity the first couple months of the season. Um, but lately, and you know, a lot of the starts were bad, obviously, but even the good starts, it's, it's been, it's been pretty rare and you're not going to win any games if you don't go six innings. Uh, this was, so, um, it was something that I brought up before the season last year. He didn't really pitch deep into games. And even when he did pitch into games, it was still with very low pitch counts. Um, he was just so good and so efficient and let's be honest, so lucky that it didn't really show up in his innings count as much as it has right now. He'll be better than this moving forward and he'll go deeper than five innings per start moving forward. Cause he's not going to have a four fifty five ERA. But yeah. I, I don't think there's any reason to believe he's going to be like an innings eater. No, you did bring that up. After he came back off the IL last year with an arm issue, they were pretty conservative with his innings. And they're, they're doing the same exact thing with Charlie Morton. The difference is Charlie Morton is going deep into games on low pitches like Clayton Kershaw. Snell's just not having quite as good of a year. He does, though, have 126 strikeouts and 95 innings, which is good. I think, again, I mean, we'll throw the buy low tag on him, right? If anybody's down on him right now, he's been pretty bad against the Yankees. So just five innings, one run at the Yankees, like, that was not a bad start. Uh, Yeah, yeah. it's fine. And his last three starts have been against the Yankees twice and the Rangers. So, All right, James Paxton or Luis Castillo. Well, how would you rank Paxton, Castillo, Hendricks, and Giolito rest of season? Scott? I would rank them, uh, I think Giolito one, then Castillo, uh, then Paxton, then Hendricks. That sounds okay. Okay. Yeah. The, I, toughest, I, I, well, the toughest call is at the top between Giolito and Castillo for me because I'm not exactly sure what to make of Giolito. Yesterday was fine in terms of walks, but he's had some issues with those off and on, which has been obviously Castillo's problem too. Okay. It has. I, well, I like, I like Castillo. I don't really care so much about the walks. And I'll tell you why, Chris. It's more important these days to limit home runs. And he obviously does that. I, I can live sure. with the walks. But, like last year he had a 432 FIP and a 430 ERA. Now he's got a 241 ERA and a 370 FIP. And his Sierra is actually the worst it's ever been. 
so far this season, 418. So, like, as always, if I'm going to be wrong, I'm going to be wrong in the same direction as always, which is believing in the peripherals being more indicative of the talent level than just the service level ERA. And so I think he's got some regression coming. He's not going to sustain an 83% uh, strand rate. He's not going to sustain a 236 BABIP. He can be good in those areas. But no, I, I still think I, he's more likely to have an ERA in the high threes than the high twos. Well, I'm going to make the same case for Castillo that I made for David Dahl earlier this year when you know he had a ridiculous BABIP and you know it, it it seemed like he couldn't possibly be a good player for long. And that's just I feel like he's actually better than this. Like I feel like Castillo can be at least a decent control pitcher. Yeah, and he it has been better lately. Um, in, in Dahl's case, it was I think he can hit more home runs than he hit. I think he can strike out less, and that's going to make up for the bad bit progression. And and th- and that's basically come to pass. And so I'm hopeful that the same can happen for Castillo. But even beyond that, even if he is a 3.70 ERA the rest of the way, I got to think that's still a top 20 pitcher. Castillo's control hasn't been better lately, though. Uh, well, I don't want to pick too many nits, but he did have one start with one walk. But over the last, oh, since the like start the of five June, five and six walk starts have been less frequent. He's in his last seven starts. He has four, two, six, five, three, one, three. He has twenty-four walks in his last forty-two and a third innings. Yeah, but only seven. So in last, his last three starts, three, starts. three, one, three. That's that's on the better end for him. I guess uh, that's what I was looking and, at. And one point, one point about his strand rate. Like, you're saying he can't sustain an 83% strand rate, but when you look at the leaders in strand rate, it's the best pitchers in baseball, the guys with the nastiest stuff, the ones who are the hardest right, to but hit. but he, he had a 71% strand rate last so year. So he was unlucky last year. That's not... He, it, he was okay. unlucky. Okay, like, I, I don't... Okay, fine. I don't know, like, if you want to believe that he has that special ability, that's fine. I just don't. I, I don't I really might. believe anyone outside of the really, really best pitchers have that, and Luis Castillo has not proven himself to be one of the really, really best pitchers in he, baseball. He kind of, I, he maybe has. I, I don't think that we can say definitively. He's had two really good half seasons. I don't think that we can say definitively that he has, but when he came up, he was awesome. And he yeah. was pretty damn good for, I don't know, the last two months or so of last year, and he's got a 241 ERA this year. So I would say in terms of the early portion of his career, he looks like he's one of the better pitchers in baseball. I mean, he's he's exceptional in two of the three FIP areas: mm-hmm. home run prevention and strikeouts. It's just, well, the walks he has really been high. sometimes. I, I well, think it, I, I think that like last well, but but, but like Scott, you were saying, well, I him. think he has the ability to have better control. Last season he did, and it also came at the expense of his ground ball rate and his home run rate. But didn't he always have better control? Like this is a real outlier for him, for Luis Castillo. In the minors, he had great control. Yeah, he was that was. One of the ways he stood out the most. This is this is weird. His control right now. So, although I suppose it wasn't great in his rookie year, thirty-two walks and eighty-nine and a third. His uh, strikeouts right. are kind of weird relative to his minor we're, league numbers too. We're so about out of time. I, I do apologize. I just wanted to play this clip because Chris wanted me to play it. Emilio Pagan pitched in the seventh inning yesterday. Thank you, a night at the Roxbury, and he gave up a home run, and you can ignore Oliver Drake getting a one-out save. 
Um, maybe Brandon Workman getting a save was a little bit more important. Brandon Workman, 31% owned, probably has been the best reliever for the Red Sox. And it's Team Name Tuesday. We will end with Cease and Destroy. That's kind of crappy, like Cease and Destroy. Uh, <laughs> Pain in Diaz. Okay. Pain in it's, Diaz. It's... You have to kind of, you know, say that one fast. Darth Bader. Yeah, we get Darth Hader a lot. Hey, it's Enrico Polanco. That one's not bad. And this <laughs> one... Good. Chris, you're going to like a little Death Cab reference. I'll follow you into the dark. It's good. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Thank you very much for listening to our show today. For Chris Towers and Scott White, I'm Adam Azer. Talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Baseball Today. Peace and carols.